Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Tom Terrace, Hannah Woodward, Rob Longo, and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, David. Awesome, awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 60 through 69. So before we uh, read read the Bread of Life, Rob, do you mind uh, inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts? I would love to. Thank you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of your word. Help us, Lord, each day to take the time uh, out of our schedules to, to read your word, to pray on your word, to let your word change our lives, to feast on your word. And we just invite the Holy Spirit in now. Dear Holy Spirit, please come into this, this time together. Help us to truly be, uh, to be open, to be docile, uh, to be moldable. Help us to change where we need to change. Make it really obvious, Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're we're a little we're a little hard-headed, so please make it obvious where you want us to change, and then give us the courage to to live the Word each and every day. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Hannah, do you mind giving us a little gospel love this morning? Sure thing. Uh, The gospel comes from John chapter 6, verse 60 through 69. Many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, Does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The first word I circled was listening. Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us as his disciples. And they were listening. But, you know, it's not just about listening to the Word of God. It's not just about hearing it. It's about doing it. And, you know, so many times we hear what we're called to do in the Word of God, how we're called to change, because our response to God's invitation to love is a call to action. It's a call to change. It's a call to growth, growth in perfection, growth in holiness, growth in being that true reflection of Christ in the world. And, man, that word hard, it is hard sometimes. But you know what? I'm just like Peter. You know what, Master? To whom am I to go? Because you have the words of eternal life. 
You feed my spirit. You give me the strength each day to walk this journey, the journey home to you. So, boy, I, I don't want to be just a listener. I want to be a doer. I don't want to just hear those words. I want to respond out of love. That invitation that comes from God the Father, it says it here. You know, unless it's granted to him by my Father, I want to, I want to respond to that unconditional love, that invitation to the heavenly banquet. And if, and if we look at the last several weeks, I think this is the fourth Sunday that we've looked at the Bread of Life discourse, so it, it ends this Sunday. Uh, and in the beginning it says, this saying, right? So many of the disciples who were listening said, this saying is hard. So if you read this out of context, but what, what, what is this? What is this saying? And last week was, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. Unless you eat my over and over and over again, he says this. And then when Simon Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. Well, what words? Well, it was what he just said, that unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. So what a challenge. I mean, it's uh, through the eyes of faith, we, we believe, and, and we can pray for uh, a heightened faith. We can pray for, pray for a deeper faith. We can pray for that love and awe and wonder, like a little kid receiving First Holy Communion, that every time that we receive, it's like we, we receive for the first time. Because if we truly believe what we say we believe, then our behavior should should be evident. I mean, it should be. You know, we should be, you know, crawling on our hands and knees to to get the mass and to adore Jesus in the Eucharist, visit Him when He's uh, when He's hanging out in the tabernacle waiting for us. Um, but sometimes I, even though I don't physically walk away, my heart walks away, my attention walks away, uh, my intentionality walks away to uh, to being with Jesus in this most precious gift of the Eucharist. And it becomes a routine rather than a response to that invitation to love. And we just do it because we think that's what we're supposed to do, but that's not love. We should have a burning desire in our heart, Rob, to have that level of intimacy with Jesus, which he's inviting us to. You're right. He doesn't mince words. Four times last week, eat my flesh, drink my blood. My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And the bread that I will give, will give, is my flesh, which he truly gave us for the life of the world. So you're right. The words of eternal life that he just spoke were those words. And as Catholics, wake up to the banquet feast that is there before us, the intimacy. And I love this word intimacy, intimacy that we have with Jesus as Catholics, because what unites us in the Christian body, that's all our brothers and sisters in Christ, the Catholic Church teaches that all Trinitarian baptized Christians, baptized Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are all members of the same body of Christ. What unites us is what we're doing here and now, breaking open the bread of life, which is the sacred scriptures, the Bible. We break this open, we consume and we eat this. So that's what unites us. We are consuming Jesus he is the Word made flesh. We are consuming Him. But as Catholics, we know it doesn't end there. Because just like on the road to Emmaus, their hearts burned when the Scriptures were broken open to them. Well, there was another part to that. In the breaking of the bread, they recognized Jesus. So for we as Catholics, we come to understand, oh my goodness, we get fed every day as we break open the bread of love. Bread, bread of love, yeah. Bread of life that's found in sacred Scripture. And it feeds us. That's what our brothers and sisters, they feed on and they teach us. So much good in how we lead our businesses and our families by the Word of God and live our lives that way. But it's not just either or, it's both and. Because we understand and we take Jesus literally 
at his word because he doesn't correct himself. He doesn't break open a parable and say, oh, let me correct what I just said. It's only a symbol. No. He says, it is. And at the Last Supper, he says, this is my body. This is my blood. He shows us the connectivity of the bread of life, of that bread. He is the Lamb of God. That's how we consume the Lamb of God at that Passover meal, which is represented at every daily Mass. We have the opportunity in a depth of intimacy like nothing else to receive Jesus, body, blood, soul, divinity into our very being so that we become what we eat. God, through his Son, Jesus Christ, he shares his divine nature with us in a most profound way. While we're here on earth, we are given that taste of that heavenly reality. You know, um, we have such a great gift in our Catholic tradition. Two things that, that I'm thinking, and particularly with John's Gospel, you know, there was a there was a reading in the Daily Office a few weeks ago, I think it was St. Alphonsus Liguori, where he was talking about the Word of God and um, he made the connection between, from John's gospel, between the, the Word of God, when Jesus talks about, you know, the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he refers back to Genesis, because, and it really kind of hit me. I mean, I've heard, of it, I've heard it before, but it really hit me that when God creates, he creates by speaking. So it's his Word. You know, and that's where we've gotten the idea that the logos or the rationale or the, you know, the word of God, that Jesus is really the creator. You know, he's the he's the the implementer, so to speak. But the thing that he said um, in that reflection was that if God can create something out of nothing by his word, then his word can certainly create his word can certainly transform something into something else. And so that's the basis for our belief in the transubstantiation and the fact that the bread and wine become the actual body and blood of Christ. And then the second thing, again, from our Catholic tradition is St. Thomas Aquinas, when he was writing, he had a very deep devotion to the Eucharist. Uh, a lot of our Eucharistic hymns come from, uh, were written by Thomas Aquinas. And he said, if uh, he was addressing priests, he said, if we would realize what it is that we do when we hold the sacred host in our hand, we would fall on the ground in awe. And, uh, and then I realized that I hold that in my hands every day when I receive communion. And I don't even think about sometimes that I'm holding the creator of the universe in my hands. You know, why shouldn't I fall down on the floor in awe? Because I, because I don't have that deep appreciation yet. But things like that help me to understand and appreciate. And then as we talked about yeah. this, I will probably think differently tomorrow about the Eucharist, but it'll go, it eventually I'll get, you know, kind of the way that we are as human beings. It gets to be routine and we we kind of forget. So it's good that we're, you know, reminding ourselves and going back and reviewing this, but, you know, because we need it. It's something that we need to, to help remember who we are and what we're doing. You know, and this gospel is all about faith. It's all about faith is a gift because it says no one can come to me unless the Father draw is granted by him by the Father. It's a gift. Faith is a gift from God. And I love this sentence where it says it is the spirit that gives life while the flesh is of no avail. And we have to understand what that means. The flesh is of no avail means our human understanding. We're not going to figure it out. I can't figure out how God knows every hair on my head 
and knows every hair in all seven billion people's heads. I can't figure out how God knows my every thought, says it right here. Jesus knew what his disciples were murmuring about this. God knows our every thought and our every intention of our heart, not only mine, but all seven billion human beings. God thought into and spoke into existence all the universes and all the galaxies that are there in a single utterance. Can I figure it out? No. So you know what? If Jesus says, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm going to take God and his word and say, you know what? I trust your word. I believe in your word. The Catholic Church teaches that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. I'm going to believe you. Now, Lord, help my unbelief. Open up my heart, as you were sharing, Tom, to this amazing, most precious gift. Think of this. If you're a football fan, because football season's starting, my wife's a football fan. If you had two tickets to sit on the bench at the Super Bowl this coming year, and they were free, would you go? You would tell everybody about it. You couldn't wait. You could sit on the bench, pat the players on those shoulders and everything else. The tickets are free. Guess what? It doesn't cost you anything to go to Mass every day to meet intimately Jesus Christ in the Eucharist and in the Word, in the Bible. Do you accept the invitation? Where do your priorities lie? The uh, one sentence that uh, sort of jumped out at me is, as a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. And it just reminds me of the spiritual warfare, the battle that we're under, that we undergo every day, and how easy it is for us to turn away and, and not to presume that, you know, I have got my space reserved in heaven already, that because we read a couple lines later, Peter who would who come to deny him, you know, says, we are convinced you are the Holy One of God. And yet, you know, a couple of passages later, he denies Jesus. Maybe he wasn't that convinced. <laughs> you know, so I'm just saying, like, for our own self, you know, I think what David was saying, to receive Jesus every day and, and to prayer, that to pray, that's the only way we can get through this warfare, this battle of earth that we're on in order to reach heaven and not to, to think, um, you know, that we're already, you know, sort of perfect or whatever. You know, I think it's the Eucharist and, and prayer that'll uh, help us so that we know that we don't fall away as, as many of um, those disciples did. I would say this is a coincidence, but I guess there are no coincidences with God. Um, this morning at our Stewardship of Leadership meeting, um, the reading was the story of the rich man and the beggar Lazarus who was outside of his gate and, you know, wanted just the scraps of his of the rich man's uh, food. Um, so Abraham takes up this Lazarus when he dies and carries him in his bosom. And um, the rich man then passes away, but he's calling out to his father, Abraham, please just, you know, give me some drink off the Lazarus's fingertips. And uh, he said, please just go and tell my brothers still on earth that, you know, this is what's going to happen to them so they don't end up in the same place. And Abraham um, says to him, your brothers have Moses and the prophets, and if they're not going to listen to them, they're not going to listen to a man from the dead. So it's funny that this reading today says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. So here's Jesus telling them, you know, everything they need to know, but still they 
you know, push him aside. Um, and then kind of going off that still, so I think God's trying to send me a sign. Um, at Mass this past weekend, the um, our priest challenged the congregation and said, who, who here has never doubted anything in the Bible? And not, you know, not one person raised their hand. He said, but it's okay because God can work with a mustard grain size of faith. And if you, you know, keep watering that and keep working on that, all your doubt's going to fade away eventually. So if we keep plugging away at our spiritual warfare, as you said, we're, we're set. But we always need to be open to learn and to grow. Because when we stop growing, we're going the other way. Because the Word of God, the depth of it, is unprobed by human understanding. So always be open to grow. And you know what? When we're challenged, don't say, oh, no, I know what that means. No, no, stop and invite the Holy Spirit to help you go deeper and to learn more. You know, it's interesting. We, as, as, you, as the Lord keeps opening up to me, Jesus taught us how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Our Father. And in that Our Father, Jesus puts a line in there, give us this day our daily bread as a prayer. But you see, he wasn't just talking about the food to feed the human body, because we're both human and we're beings, we're spiritual. So we're, we're a joining of the two. Jesus was talking about the bread of life, which is who? It's himself. So he taught us how to pray. We pray for that bread every day. God gives it to us, but we have a free will choice. Do we choose to believe? Do we choose to go and receive? Do we choose to truly want to grow into that level of intimacy with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Because you know what? We are what we eat. What we consume, the goal is what we become. And when we consume the Word of God, which is what we're doing here today, we continue to—we become more and more and more like Christ. As we continue to receive the Eucharist, the goal is, you know, Christ becomes more and more and more a part of us, and we change. But my word, that invitation is a daily invitation from our Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, say yes. We give God the greatest gift we can give him, the gift of our time, which he gives us as a gift. We return it to him. It's awesome. Go, taste, and receive. One of the challenges that I feel the Lord talking on my heart is uh, the line, Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And how did he treat them? He loved them. So he knew, right, the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him, and he still loved them. So where, where am I, David, as you say, when we receive Jesus, we become, his goal for us is to become more like him. So where, where am I least like him? What relationship am I least like him? And it's mostly probably the ones that, you know, I have a little bit of a rub with. Right? You know, so Jesus, man, he, he knew who was going to betray him. He knew the ones who wouldn't believe, but he still loved them. Right? So my prayer is, like, Lord, help me to be you, your love, your joy, your peace, your, your mercy in all situations, not, not just where it's easy. Because um, Jesus had to love through some, some pretty difficult circumstances here on the cross, you know, people spitting at him and, and his friends abandoning him, and he, he loved them through it. But you know what it was? His deep level of intimacy with the Father. He always went to the Father. And that surrender to the will of the Father 
is where he got his strength. He went to the garden. It's that surrender, not my will be done. He threw it out there to dad, said, yo, father, help me here. You know, if this chalice is possible, whew, pass it from me. You know, let it be so. But you know what? Here's the key word. He surrendered to the will of the father because he knew that the will of the father was perfect and was going to benefit the world. So when we surrender the father and Ram, sometimes it's the people that are closest to us, our spouse. And for me, I start a daily prayer now. I say, Father, I always say, good morning, Father. But I say, Father, for my spouse, I say, love your daughter through me. I say, Lord Jesus, love your sister through me. And Holy Spirit, love your bride through me. Help me, Lord. That little prayer has changed my life. Because my spouse, my wife, is God's daughter. Jesus' sister, Holy Spirit's bride. And who else better to love her than them through me? But we got to unplug those arteries, you know, and if we got any sin in our life, we got to confess it and open up those channels so that God's love freely flows through us so that our spouse, who's built like a responder to that invitation, sees Christ in us. And we become more and more and more refined. I'm speaking for me as a man, but it's beautiful, beautiful. Cry out to God. Ask for help. Surrender. Of course, I say that. Then I go to the universal prayer. And there's a section of the universal prayer that I always have a difficult with. It says, I want whatever you want because you want it the way you want it as long as you want it. And I'm like, wow, that's tough. Because as long as God wants it the way I want it, it's a good deal. But the moment he wants it the way he wants it, Am I truly surrendered to that? And too many times I'm not. You know, it's too easy to pray the words, but it's hard. And the words up here, it's hard sometimes to walk it out. St. Therese said, um, when I pray, I always get what I want from God because I always want what I get from him. Wow. So now that's a tough one. Well, and she, and but that's probably why she's a saint, you know. <laughs> but that uh, you know, I I heard I actually heard that on one of the our lighthouse CDs, and uh, it really stuck with me. And it, you know, it's one of those things where when I run into something difficult, I I try to remember not to pray for what I want. Um, although I may have some ideas about that, but your you know your will be done. Now here's what I think you ought to do, but you know at the same time. You know, your will be done. I try to finish with that because, you know, I I always have ideas about things. I think we all do about what would be the right thing to do here, Lord, you know. But uh, anyway, that's... I love Rob's little ditty, surrender your O, your opinion, for the O of obedience. Because the Word of God is life-giving, and it is perfect without error. It's when we decide to divert from the Word, and sort of kind of make it fit into our little box? Well, you really didn't mean that, Lord. You meant this. And you really didn't want me to do that, Lord. You know, I don't really have to do the uh, obey the commandments anymore because, you know, you died and paid the price, so I can sort of kind of live life the way I want. Uh, not correct. Uh-uh-uh. That's not what the Lord said. He's not going to change one iota, not one dot of the law. Because that response is a response of love, and the law no longer is effective. Why? In effect, why? Because we're responding in love. And those things we're to be obedient to, they're a natural response to love. And it all starts again with putting God first. 
Too many times you want to say, oh, yeah, God's first in my life. Really? Let's take a look at how you spent the last 18, 24 hours. The last week, how much time did you give to God? Now let's measure it out with how much time you gave to television, computer, this, that, football, whatever, and see how God stacks up. And sometimes you'll be a little bit amazed at what you'll find out. I was listening to something from Father Larry Richards, and he was addressing a group of men, 2,000 men, in a, in a men's conference. And uh, he said, at the, at, the, at the end, God loves you so much that he's going to give you the desire of your heart. What, what is it that you desire? He's going to give it to you. Do you desire him? Do you desire him? And if you desire him, he will give himself to you for all eternity. But he loves you too much to, to force himself on you. So whatever we desire, and he knows it by, like you're saying, David, you know, the greatest gift we have is time, right? So how do we invest our time? And I mean, where's our heart? Even like when we're busy throughout the day, we can turn our heart to him. I love you, Jesus. You know, just little, little prayers throughout the day that connect us with him, have that continual conversation. But, you know, truly where is, is my desire? So Lord, please purify my desires, remove those that are not leading my heart to you. You know, it's, it's interesting, Rob, because I think God takes us on a journey every day to teach us, and we're supposed to be open to learn every day. And yesterday I was looking at this 1812 barn, stone barn, that we took down stone by stone, and we're rebuilding, and the stonemasons are rebuilding, and it is a piece of art. It is, uh, It just is bringing me life. It's beautiful. And I was just gazing at it last night, and the Lord kind of spoke to my heart and asked me a question. When was it you last gazed at me? When was it that you last looked at me with those eyes? And I'm like, oh, ouch. Because every night I go look at the barn. What they get done? What do the stones look like? And I, I look in awe. And the Lord asked me, when's the last time you looked at me with those eyes? When's the last time? And I'm like, oh, my Lord. Thank you, Lord. So it really was a check in my spirit to make sure I stay focused. I'm always grateful and with a heart of gratitude, but the world is looking to draw us away, draw our gaze and our heart away from the Lord. So we've got to be careful. Even the gifts God entrusts us with can become that which the enemy uses to take us out. Yeah, I forget which saint, but a saint, uh, when he was a priest, um, noticed the same guy in church every day. So what do you do here every day? He said, I, I look at him and, and he looks at me. Talking about Jesus. I look at him and he looks at me. St. John Vianney. Is that St. John Vianney? Thanks. So let's go. Let's look. Let's listen. Let's taste and let's see. Go experience the Lord in the Eucharist. God bless each and every one of you. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship A Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation 
by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.